Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Hello, guys. Cody here from the Des Moines Register, um, and welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. It's uh, Tuesday, March 8th. Um, had a really busy wrestling weekend with the Big Ten Wrestling Championships, the Big 12 Wrestling Championships, and then for those who were also following along, there was the NAIA National Championships, the Junior College National Championships, and the NCAA Women's College National Championships. Tons of wrestling going on. Um, and so we got a podcast here for you today to kind of recap some of the bigger stuff that happened, right? I know we uh, um, wrote plenty about Grandview winning a, another NAIA National Team title, their 10th national team title in 11 years, which is still a little insane to say out loud. They took second last year, won nine in a row before that, only took them one year before they're back on top. And not only back on top, but back on top in a record-setting way. Scored 200 points at the NAIA National Tournament. Really cool for them. Junior college was full of Iowa wrestling success. Um, lots, I think five of the 10 individual national champs were from junior colleges in Iowa. Um, also five out of the top 10 teams. In the team race were Iowa Junior Colleges, um, led by Iowa Central, took second. Um, so really impressive showing there in Council Bluffs. Felicity Taylor from South Winnesheek, second place again at the NCAA Women's National Tournament. She's now a four-time finalist, three-time runner-up. Um, so a little rough there, but still really, really fantastic showing. She helped McKendry to the team title there. A lot of today's podcast, though, going to be about the Big Ten and Big 12 Wrestling Championships. Um, it's not just me, and it's not just coaches' interviews. Um, did a little bit of podcasting yesterday, um, and to give you guys today's show, ultimately brought on um, Corby. Corby, Matt, we all love Corby, right? Um, he is... Uh, brought him on to talk about the Big Ten stuff, right? He, he was at home over the weekend watching all the conference tournaments. So in addition to some Big Ten stuff, um, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the landscape, what it means for the upcoming national tournament, um, but always appreciate Corby's uh, perspective on a lot of things. We obviously talk about the medical forfeits, um, but also about Iowa's performance, the, the thrilling team race, some standout individual performances. Um, you know, I, I was on the ground in Lincoln. Corby was at home. So he kind of has a bird's eye view perspective of a lot of these things. So I think you guys will really enjoy that conversation. After that, I got Seth Duckworth. Um, you know, he, he writes for Pistols Firing, covers Oklahoma State, but he also does a lot of other wrestling coverage, um, you know, specifically does the Big 12 for Intermat. So was able to get him on the horn. We talked a lot about the, uh, the action that went on in Tulsa, Big 12 wrestling championships. Mizzou came away with a team title, but both Iowa State and Northern Iowa finished in the top five. David Carr um, won another Big 12 title. Parker Keckeisen won another Big 12 title. Also talked a little bit about kind of um, you know, the national landscape as it pertains to the Big 12. Um, and then also just kind of broke down a little bit more about what the Cyclones and the Panthers were able to do this weekend in Tulsa. So this is really kind of a long rambly intro. So I'm going to go ahead and hop off here. We'll get that intro music underway. That's today's show, though. It's a little long, so I hope you guys can strap in and enjoy the conversation. Uh, we're going to go with Corby's conversation first, and then we'll hit Seth right after that. So I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I hope you all enjoy.
as promised here with the one and only Corby, um, here to talk some Big Ten wrestling. I was on the ground in Lincoln. You um, you were at home watching probably every single conference tournament. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, yeah, just a million screens up. You were quad boxing it. Um, so I was I was I was really curious, man. There there was a lot to take in from the Big Ten championships this weekend. Pitt, Michigan wins a thrilling team race over Penn State and Iowa. Um, you know, thanks largely. It, I, once it came down to it, that finals match at 184 miles of mean over Aaron Brooks, a thriller. We'll touch on that maybe a little bit. Um, but I was, I was kind of curious, man, you kind of had a bird's eye view of, of every conference, but especially the big 10. I know that's one that draws a lot of eyeballs everywhere, every year. What was kind of some of your big picture bird's eye takeaways of the big 10 tournament, I guess this past weekend. Um, 125, uh, Nick Soriano is really good. We knew it. Um, we knew it. Um, but a machine, I mean, man. he's a machine. He stays in that nice position stance, his hand fighting, um, was really impressed. I was impressed with Soriano this weekend. Um, Austin Gomez. Are you kidding me? What I mean, story. he comes out. What a story. He comes out lefty. I mean, double unders lifts, love it up, rips his head off, pins him, then comes out and wrestles probably. I mean, he couldn't have wrestled a better match. Has any, he did everything great. Yeah. I mean, has anybody ever taken Sasso down multiple times like that? Like I, for the life of me, I cannot remember. No. Time I saw Sasso get beat like that. No, me either. And so that tells everybody, right. Austin Gomez is here. He's real. He's, I mean, we knew it, but you know, um, everybody knows it now. He's, he's going to go to the nationals and he's going to be a crowd favorite and, uh, you know, look for him to, to make some noise. And then, uh, 84 going in, I mean, outside of Gable, um, you know, I mean, you got Yanni and I mean, Brooks, I mean, to me, I would have said Brooks was one of the best college wrestlers of any weight. Right. And Amin, Amin got it done. Right. Where it looked like Amin was a little tired there at the end. And then he just, he hit another button and, uh, just kept coming. And, and, you know, with the family history of the Amin's, right? The grandfather wrestled at Michigan. Now you've got the, you know, the, the the cousins wrestling. You've got, you know, the dads or brothers. I mean, just just amazing, right? The Amin's have been, uh, have been uh, you know, there a long time at Michigan. So that that was cool. Um, those are my three biggest takeaways, I think, from the, uh, you know, from the actual wrestling part of it. Yeah, no, that was I, – I, I like that you highlighted all those because Nick Suriano looks – I mean, we, we knew he was going to be that good coming in, especially when, you know, he, he, he makes it known that he's going to go 25. And I think the original idea was for him to run down Spencer. Spencer decides to get surgery. So now it's, you know, Suriano, Vito, Glory, and the field, right? Like that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, let's not discount Brandon Courtney either, right? Returning and say finalist, he'll be there from the Pac-12. But, you know, it's kind of those four dudes and then just kind of a mixed bag behind them. Um, man, Suriano looked really good. And he, you know, he, I mean, Hey, he, he went to Michigan because he wanted to help them win. And what a heck of a, you know, I, I guess you could call the regular season, the, the opening chapter, what a heck of a second act, right. With the third act still to come. But like that was at one point over the, on Saturday, they had won like 19 matches in a row, you know, and something like 14 of them were on the front side like that. It was, it was unbelievable. The tournament that they put together eight in the semis, um, you know, they were able to eke it out over Penn state who ha- also had a tremendous big 10 tournament, um, you know, obviously, you know, Amin beating Brooks, that was, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, man. Like Aaron Brooks, like 
that dude. And then it's like, oh yeah, you know, Miles Amin, Olympic bronze medalist, returning All-American, like maybe we shouldn't forget about this guy, right? Um, yeah, man, like that was that was a lot of fun. I, I think, you know, the obvious thing that stuck out, you know, from the tournament and, you know, obviously I cover Iowa for the, for the register. So this is very pertinent to what I've been writing about and talking about, which is the medical forfeit thing, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. we have to address that because that was, you know, it's very pertinent in the finals, um, especially, you know, two of the 10 finals matches ended in medical forfeits. Both of them included Iowa guys who did not wrestle by my count. I had 19 total medical forfeits in the tournament. Um, 25 total if you count the additional six that happened in the extra brackets where they were trying to correct um, you know the the additional NCA qualifying spots because there were a handful of weights that went more than eight um, 19 of them I think Iowa was directly connected to 12 of them because you had um, you know Michael Kemmer uh, medically forfeited three times after he made the semifinals at 74 um, Drake Ayala medically forfeited out of a seventh place match at uh, 25 um, you know, Cassiope, Jaden Ironman, both of those guys, you know, but then, you know, Iowa also benefited from a handful of them, right? Jaden Ironman accepted a medical forfeit in the semifinals at 41. Max Murin accepted a medical forfeit to finish third at 49. Abe Saad accepted a medical forfeit to finish, um, you know, seventh at 184. I mean, clearly they were all over the tournament. Um, clearly a lot of them were connected to the Hawkeyes. So, you know, people are ragging on them fine, whatever. I don't care. What's I, what are your thoughts on this whole medical forfeit thing? Let's I, let's start there before we figure out how to solve the problem. Um, you know, some of them, you know, the thing, like you said, people are ragging. I, I think a lot of that comes down to, um, you know, I mean, they like to give it to, right. You know, you know how it is right on the side. So I think any chance people can try to give it back to Tom and Terry, you know, and crew, right. Um, you know, with, you know, some of the things they do and, you know, they like to give it to people too. So, Hey, listen, you, you know, those guys, you think they give two craps what people are saying right now about men. Not not even a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Not even a little bit. So, um, but no, I think, you know, and and people are going to get on them, whatever. And and we know Drake's missed time. Right. So there was a reason why he sat that you're in why, why wrestle. Okay. Ironman's got a big knee brace on. We watched it, you know, almost go out right uh, at a few times. And, you know, my opinion, if Sebastian Rivera runs out to the mat in the semis, you probably don't see Ironman. I agree with that. Yeah. I think you probably don't. Yeah. My thought is the only reason Ironman steps on the mat Saturday night is because they knew Rivera wasn't wrestling. So they want the team points. Um, cause at that point they're still in the thick of the team race, but yeah, yeah. no, I agree. If, if Rivera yes. chooses to Russell, Ironman does not show up in the semifinals. I agree. I would, pro- I, I, I bet he did not. He would not. Yes. And then, you know, I mean, we can, I mean, listen, we all, everybody there watched, uh, Kemmer get underneath little weight on the shoulder, popped shoulder out. pops out, popped out. We think came out. I mean, you yeah. know, so for him to sit, no big deal. Um, you know, I mean, so people are right. There's real injuries there. Then the big one, I think, was Cassiope sitting to Gable. People are like, oh, it's disrespectful. This and that. Well, go back and watch the Hilger match. He Cassiope's cranks on in. It, man. He cranks he, on it. Yeah, Cassiope's in on a shot. He's got Hilger. You know, Hilger's right arm comes over to Cassiope's left knee, grabs his foot. He's kind of pulling it back towards him, and then it goes out. 
It comes out away from the joint. So he tweaked it. Is it something serious? I, I highly doubt it, but it's definitely an injury. It's tweaked. Um, you know, you, why would you go wrestle Gable with a tweaked knee, right? I mean, you're going to have to basically take – I mean, he's you can take a couple of baseball hard, bats. Yeah, he's I mean, hard enough to wrestle when you're fully healthy. Like, you know, yes. and we know, I mean, we kind of saw everybody that watched Cassiope wrestle Kirk Vliet and people are like, well, why would you wrestle Kirk Vliet injured but not go out and wrestle Gable? It's like, well, he kind of had to beat Kirk Vliet a second time to secure what we think is going to be the three seed. And, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that moving down the line. But, you know, like that loss to Jack Del Garbino is still kind of hanging out in the ether. I don't think I don't think so much anymore because he beat Kirk Fleet the second time. Yeah. Why do you think we complain during the season with dual meets? Well, guess what? It's being done for seating. Seating for what? Seating for the Big Ten conference. Seating for the conference tournaments. So this is the same reason, right? Guys are missing and you know, or doing things for seating. And and I don't know how we stop it. Do we say all medical forfeits or losses. I, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it, but you know, maybe that's something they do in the future. Um, all just every one of them. Right. And then, you know, I guess it sucks for the guy that's really hurt. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe that stops it. My opinion, I think we need to get away from qualifying through our conference tournaments down eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 guys. I think we, need to take the whole season into account, maybe come up with a point structure of some something. If they want to keep the conference tournament, fine. Let the champs get the automatic bid. Everybody else comes out of the point structure, right? And, yeah, what conference we can be a, a default city once the guys are out of the finals? Yeah, probably. But um, I, don't, I don't know. Or do we just get away from it, get away from the conference tournament altogether, just take the – the season and, and, and as a whole and say, here's your qualifiers from a point system. Um, I don't know. Cause I mean, a lot of people travel to the conference tournaments and not to the NCAA tournament. And guess what? I mean, we just talked 19 of them, right? 19 heavily, highly contested matches that a lot of people, probably 15 of them couldn't wait to see that, you know, didn't materialize. Right. So I don't know. As a, as a coach, I get where they're coming from sitting at home as a fan. I'm like, Oh man, I don't get that match. But guess what? I think it's more our new fan uh, people that have been around a while, man, this stuff. I mean, guys go look at brackets from 12 years. I mean, this is nothing new. It's wrestling is on more outlets, more avenues, social media. It's being talked about more, which is great, but then we're going to get more of this. Right. So, and it's bad for our sport. For sure. Um, what do you think? What? How do you? How do you curtail? What do you do? I think. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts, man. Like, as a, you know, if I'm a BTN TV exec, I'm probably not super happy that you know, <laughs> people who drove in or people that tuned in missed out on a on a you know NCAA finals rematch at 41, and then the current face of our sport did not get the chance to wrestle in the you know highlight bout of the weekend. I'm I'd be a little ticked. Um, I, I think it's a rough look for wrestling. I don't know that it's this black eye that a lot of people on Twitter, for example, are making it out to be. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with Iowa was tied to a lot of the medical forfeits because one, people love to hate on Iowa. Um, two, Tom had the whole anybody, anytime, anywhere thing. So very, you know, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, people are trying to correlate it with the whole Spencer Lee excuses are for wusses thing, but I almost guarantee you that none of these guys are going to medically forfeit from the NCAA championships unless they physically are not able to walk. Like I almost guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it, it sucks. Like from a wrestling fan perspective, it was not very fun to watch all those things go down. Having said that, let's not act like this doesn't happen in other sports, right? Like, I think the analogy I ultimately came up with is like, okay, you're the head coach of an NFL team. Your star player, one of your star players, gets hurt in week four, misses a lot of time. We get to week 17, right, regular season finale. Your team has locked up a playoff spot. The division is still on the line in week 17, and your athletic trainer says your star player can play but might benefit from a little bit more rest. You're going to the playoffs. It's a no-brainer. And we see that all the time. That was an NFL example. You can pull examples from Major League Baseball. You can pull examples from the NBA. You can pull examples from the NHL. One of my weirdly favorite things about the hockey season every year is seeing the list of injuries that the guys that got all the way to the Stanley Cup played through that entire postseason. You know why? Because they had a shot to win the Stanley Cup, so they're going to keep playing, right? Right. When we get to Detroit – all these guys, all these little lingering injuries, and all these guys are legitimately hurt, varying degrees, right? But if they're all legitimately hurt, they are going to rustle until they're eliminated or until they can't physically walk on that mat anymore. Like that is – because that's what it's about. That's the current setup of the sport, right? The, the, the Big Ten tournament, as it currently stands, is a qualifier for a bigger and more important tournament. And until that changes, that's all the coaches are going to view it as. We saw it with Jason Knopf. We saw it with Sebastian Rivera. We saw it with all these Iowa guys. We're going to keep seeing it until something changes. I don't know if things will change. I, the first idea that popped into my head is, do you make medical forfeits count on wrestlers' records, wins and losses? I don't know that that's fair to the guys that are really, really hurt because we know that there are guys that, that game this system, right? Um, you know, I, I also don't think... You know, I, to be quite honest, like I didn't blame Tom Brands for sitting all his guys. I didn't blame, you know, because he wants his guys healthy for Detroit. So, yeah, like you're going to you want you're going to sit them so that they're as healthy as they can possibly be for, you know, because like, it's nice to have 10 bullets at the national championships. It's even nicer to have them all as healthy as possible. Right. Like take Michael Kemmer, for example. It didn't matter that he didn't wrestle Starachi. He's probably going to have to beat some combination of Makai, Labriola, Massa, Heidley, Starachi. Like he's going to have to beat three of those guys anyway. What Matt, what it, it doesn't really matter what order it's going to come in. So sit him, right. get him as healthy as he possibly can be so that he gives himself the best opportunity. Heck, he, mm-hmm. along with Nolf, Kemmer was medically defaulted in 2018. He ended up fourth at the national tournament, right? Everybody remembers that hella funny picture of him and Nolf standing on the sixth place line, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, you know, so I, I don't know if automatically counting it on their record is the answer. I think it's, I think it could be a step in the right direction because then at that point coaches can still do it, but they know the risk that comes with it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and then that kind of gets back to the idea of, okay, you're taking all your guys to the national tournament. They're going to be as healthy as they can be. Their seeding's going to take a hit, but they're going to be healthy. Like which do you prefer a better seed or do you prefer that they be healthy? Like that's going to force some interesting conversations. If you go that route, Outside of that, I'm really not sure what you do because, like you said, this has been going on for years. And it's survive in advance, right? It's it, like you said, there's a qualifying event for something bigger that that's what we're judged on. So it's like once you lock that – I mean, listen, if I was a 
let's say I'm a coach for uh, the the ninth or tenth place team in the big, or if I don't have a chance to win it, and I've got a guy that is dinged up at all, and he he's not going to be a top ten seed guy. He's going to be a fifteen through twenty five guy, no matter what. Man, the minute he allocate, minute he locks it up, he's done. You know what I mean? I would just stop. Why? What? Why are you? Re- you know what I mean? It's it's survive in advance. It, you're not going to really get a better seat at this point. So for some guys, so what's the point, right? So um, I get it, both sides from the fan side. Um, yeah, you miss matches, but from the coaches side, I mean, I don't know what these people are talking. I mean, all day, every day, that's what you do until. Until our until bonus structures change, until they start coming off of where you place the Big Ten and not the national tournament, this is going to keep happening, guys. And and you know, I just don't know. I don't know if there's any way around it. It sucks for for the fans, but I mean, listen, I would rather. I want a healthy. I want I as a fan too. I want to see the guys healthy at the national tournament where the rubber meets the road, right? I don't want to see. That's like Sebastian Rivera, right? You get surgery, you're 11 days out, right? You go, you wrestle two matches. You probably didn't even have to wrestle anyway, but you're like, you know what? I want to, I want to lock that bit. I want to get in there. So you get in there, you get some matches, but it's like, what's the point? That really probably wasn't even worth it because when you're healthy, you can probably beat them all anyway. So just take whatever seed you get, right? But, you know, we're competitors. That's what I'm getting at is. You people out there that act like, oh, these guys are dope. These guys. You think these kids train in the room and do all this stuff and they don't want to wrestle the competition? No. Their coaches are telling them when and will, when and where they're going to wrestle. All these kids want to go every single time. You know what I mean? And it's just sometimes you're being told, hey, this is what's better for you, right? And and listen, for a lot of guys, Sebastian Rivera this weekend, you know, taking – taking that injury default where he did and, and, you know, being help, you know, letting that knee get a little bit healthier, not getting into matches with guys that are scrambly like an Ironman that, you know, is going to, going to grab over on that knee a few times. Right. It's just not worth it. Just you let it rest two more weeks and, and let it rip. So, um, 41 a weight I'm really excited for, uh, come, come NCAA time. What about you? What 97 is, Oh man, flip a coin, dude! I don't uh, know how. I don't. I don't know how to see that. I have no because like you got you got <laughs> coming out of the Big Twelve. He beat Sloan in the finals. You got Dean coming out of the Big Ten. Um, you know, Norfleet's lurking out there in the Pac twelve. Yeah, he's always tough. Um, Big Ten and Big Twelve are both extremely deep at this weight. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know how do you? I I feel like you could take the top twelve or top sixteen guys at that weight, throw them in a bag, draw out eight names. Those are your all Americans, and I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then Benny uh, Benny Smith wins the MAC. Uh, you had an upset with uh, Cardenas got upset by Stout, right in the finals of the EIWA. Uh, like you said, uh, out in the pack, you know he's lurking. Uh, Northfleet's lurking. You got um, who won ACC? Yeah, I mean, ACC's at ninety-seven. Uh, Trumbull Trumbull got beat in the final by. Um, uh, Bonacorsi. There you go. Uh, so yeah, what do you Nino do? What do you NCAA finalist? <laughs> right. Where do you put Nino in the mix? Right. So it's going to be really interesting. It's kind of a to me after this weekend. Buchanan looks. I mean, if there's somebody, I mean, Dean's only going to lose to an athletic guy, right? Yeah. Dean's not going to lose to another 
right? Dean, another guy that just kind of, it's going to be an athletic guy to beat Dean. There's only a couple in the field. Um, man, Buchanan, I mean, Buchanan looks really good right now. Um, I mean, a guy like Sloan, I mean, could pull, you know, on top, could give, give some fits maybe to Dean. Um, but Dean's going to be matchup, right? I mean, to me, Dean looks great. Um, he's in such good position all the time. He's good on top, um, can turn guys. So uh, that's a really interesting weight for me, you know, at 97. Um, another interesting weight to me now is 49. I mean, when I would have said it's Sassoyani, Sassoyani, Gomez goes out there and, I mean, made it look easy. Uh, so now that weight's intriguing to me because you got guys like Tariq in there. you got guys like Andoni in that, you know, loses to Tariq pretty good, but he's a nightmare matchup for a lot of people. Yeah, um, he's, he's, so, a, he's, a, he's a walking landmine. Like, he might be the sixth seed yeah. or the seventh yeah. seed or whatever, but, like, you know, hey, like, he can, he can make right. a run. You got Mira, you got Love It. You got a guy out there that took third last year named Yaya, named Yaya Thomas who's still looking for an at-large. Yeah. I mean, so 49 is just – 49's bananas, uh, 25. I mean, we look at, I mean, we got a, was it 19 to six this weekend? We, we see Vito just, I mean, oh my gosh, what got into Vito? He just unbelievable. He ripped through glory. I mean, so, you know, they're probably the two, three, uh, right. I mean, more than likely yeah. Soriano's the one they're the two, three. So you put Courtney at the four and then behind them, it's a mess. That's right. Behind them, it's a mess. I mean, a lot of people thought Hildebrandt was going to come back and look great, and he came back this weekend, and, I mean, he looked okay. But that weight, I mean, you could flip – you could wrestle the Big Ten tournament ten times and it'd shake out ten different ways. Besides, Soriano's probably your champ every time. You could have from Barnett to Hildebrandt to McKee to Ayala, you, could, you would probably have seven other different finalists if you wrestled that thing over and over, you know. Oh, 100%, so, yeah. Uh, Bird, what'd you think of Bird? Bird and DeSanto kind of getting closer, closer and closer. Bird's kind of feeling like he's getting in there a little bit. Um, I like, you know, I like they that. have that mutual respect, right? They're both got that same kind of mindset. I think they're DeSanto sees a little bit of a bird in him, you know, himself kind of. They see, yeah, no, I the thing that sticks cool. out, yeah, oh, 100%. The thing that sticks out about, I Bird. love it. Is he's he goes in fearless, like he is not scared to wrestle DeSanto, and a lot of, not a lot of it, but like you know, ask anybody who has wrestled DeSanto before, and it's it's a nightmare just stepping out there to shake his hand because the moment the whistle blows, he's got his hands on you, and right, yeah, and so Bird just he's not scared, right? He's taken a similar approach to like RBY, for example, where he just he goes out and he's just like I'm gonna wrestle my match, and we're gonna see what happens, and. He is closing the gap. He hasn't quite figured out how to finish. Like he, he scored takedowns, but he hasn't not had, like to finish the match. Like that's where like DeSanto's takedown on him in the third period was just a thing of beauty because he saw it coming the whole way. Like, right. you know, Bird to beat a guy like DeSanto, you got to take that next step and finish the match. Cause you know, DeSanto's going seven minutes the whole time. Um, so I'm going to be curious to kind of see how that gets seated because you probably got RBY at the one, you got fixed at the two. Yes. I, yep. would think, I would think DeSanto at the three. And then mm -hmm. from there, I don't know what you do. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, got, you, yeah. got, you got Bird, you got Corbin Myers, you got um, Kyle Biscogli out of the Big 12. I don't know that he's going to be a top six guy, but, you know, he's he's lurking there. He's a tough dude. You got uh, Mikhail McGee coming yeah. out, of the pack, out of the pack, who yeah. should be up there pretty high. Um, 
Yeah, so so that's interesting. Dylan Raggison uh, from Michigan. Um, yes, he beat Bird, right? Like he ended up taking third. Those are some big yeah. points for Michigan. <laughs> that's some big points for Michigan. Um, you know, how about how about Mises too, right? Mises, you know, doesn't allocate. You know, is down. I mean, paid attention. He was down in multiple matches. He came back and won, and then he ends up dropping in the Conti semi. Sebastian Rivera, who medical forfeited, right? So then he gets to go into the third place match, which was important points for Michigan, right? At that point, that's that's that goes from probably fifth or sixth place points to fourth place points plus pin points there. So that was that was big for them. But here's here's a couple parting questions for some parting thoughts for you as as it relates mm-hmm. to the Big Ten. Um, right off the top, what is it going to take for Michigan, Penn State, and Iowa to recreate a thrilling three-team tug of war because that's what it was in Lincoln. Like it was, they went back and forth on Saturday. They went back and forth on Sunday. Michigan ultimately pulled it out. What's it? What's it? Because we we know Penn State's going to be there. What's it going to take? I guess maybe let me phrase it this way: for Michigan and or Iowa to keep pace with the Nittany Lions. Man, I I think we saw a team race this weekend that was amazing. I don't know that we see it again in Detroit. Um, take It's going to take a lot from Iowa. Um, you know, let's face it. I mean, we saw cameras banged up. They're hurt. They're banged up. Right. And, and, you know, three days, right. Are they going to be able to keep it going for three days? All those guys, I think they're going to do well. Um, are they going to keep pace? I'm not sure. Michigan as well. Um, you're going to have to, I mean, Soriano's going to be there, right? Ragason's going to have to, you know, AA, you know, up there. I think he will. You know, Mises, right there. Does Will Luan make – remember, Will Luan made the finals there and scored probably 17, 18, you know, points there at the Big Ten tournament, right? I don't know if Will Luan's AA type or not, right? I mean, man, I don't know. I don't know if they stay stay with him. Um, I mean, you know, the RBYs and Nick Lees, the – the Starajis, the the Brookses, the Deans, the Kirkfleets—they're all going to be there, right? So, um, you know, and Bergie, right? Bergie's going to be big. Bergie and Hildebrand are going to be big if they can come in and and do. If Bergie looks like Bergie did and can get into that AA and and Hildebrand kind of does a little bit better, then I don't I don't see that anybody's going to stay stay near him. They could run away with it if that happens, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Michigan in Michigan. They've been building for this for years. Um, Sean, love him, overtime guy, you know, started that club back in Illinois years ago, you know, knowing him, been an acquaintance, knowing him, knowing kids he's coached for a long, long time. Had a big smile on my face watching him smile, right, him and K.J. Big Hog, he had a smile. And people that know Sean, you know, it, it you know, to – to get to get to get that done, man, to win the Big Ten title for Michigan, you know, was was big. So, uh, you know, he's happy. It was good to see. Um, I just think Penn State's going to be going to be too much with with their horses. Um, what do you think? I I think it's going to take. In the case of Iowa, it's going to take next to a perfect tournament. Like it's going to, you know, and by that I mean, you know, they're going to need 
eight, nine, almost 10 all Americans probably like, you're, you're, <laughs> which is, you know, it's only ever happened. Insane. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's, you know, they're going to need like DeSanto is going to have to, if he can't get to the finals, he's got to score third and, and he's got to score a crap ton of bonus points. Ironman's yep. got to get to the finals and he's got to score bonus. Um, you know, Murin's got to take that step, get on the podium. Abe needs to take that step and get on the podium. Uh, Young needs Kemmer, to Kemmer's got to get to the finals. Marinelli has to get to the finals. Cass have to get to the finals. I mean, at that point, you know, if you can get Ironman, Marinelli, Kemmer, Cassiope to the finals, that's four. That's not and DeSanto scoring 20 points at third, yeah, like depend, you said. If, yeah, DeSanto can score finalist points. Right. You need Warner in the top five. You need Young on the podium. You need Murin on the podium. Drake's got to score some points at 25. Like, it's just – they need so much to go their way that it's just, it's, it's a tall mountain to climb. Can they do it I, on their best day? Probably, but they need their best day three days in a row in Detroit to make it happen. In the case of Michigan, I mean, that was my thought. Like, you know, I, it was funny. We were sitting there press row. Willie's keeping count of how many wins they get in a row. And I'm sitting there every, like every time he's like 15, 16, 17. I'm like, they got to do it again in two weeks. They got to do it again in two weeks. They got to do it again in two. Like I kept saying that to the point where I was, kind of, <laughs> I, was probably, I was probably annoying him a little bit, but you know, it, it's, it, they got Soriano. Um, I want to give a little bit of love to Camamine because he beat Carson Karchla. Like that's big. Yeah. Um, big. And, and he is an all American. I'll give, you know, he, he was the beneficiary of Marinelli medically forfeiting because of his rib last year, but he finished on the podium. Let's give him some credit for that. Massa, like, it's, it's the same equation for Michigan. You know, like Soriano's got to bonus his way through and get to the finals. Mass has got to get to the finals. Um, Miles Amin has to get to the finals. And he may see Aaron Brooks in the semis, right? Like that may be a pivotal match. And we know how good Penn State is on Friday night. Um, <laughs> you know, Paris is going to have to score bonus points when he's not wrestling Gable. And, you know, how they seed heavyweight, how they seed 97, how they seed 84 – a lot of that might dictate some of the team race a little bit, right? Because you know Brooks will be there. You know Dean will be there. You know Storacci will be there. Where does Kemmer fall in the bracket? Where does Brucky fall in the bracket? Where does Warner fall in the bracket? Where does Abasad and Miles Amin fall in the bracket? Like that's that's what's going to make Wednesday super interesting, I think, because a lot of these guys' paths, you know, like let's say let's use heavyweight for example. Gable's the one. Ooh. We're all of the belief that Colton Schultz is probably the two. Yes. Cast the three, and then you probably go Kirkfleet four, Paris five, Hendrickson six. That benefits Iowa, right? Because, you know, Kirkfleet has Paris figured out. They hit in the quarters. But Cast has a path to the finals there if he takes care of Hendrickson and Schultz, right? So yep. those are big points for Iowa that Penn State and Michigan won't get because their guys are on the same side of Gable. If it goes anything different, it shakes up the team race. I don't know. Like, that's – it's – we know Penn state's going to be there because they've never shown us anything. Otherwise the, the path right. from Iowa and Michigan, it's gotta be almost a next to perfect game plan. Right. Like, and that's, you know, for, and then in the case of Iowa, that's keeping everybody healthy as well, which is, it's, it's just, a, it's a really steep mountain to climb. It, it, it sure is. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope everybody comes out swinging. I want it to be close. Um, you know, I think too, this year we've got, you know, some weight classes up where I think, you know, uh, 65 is really interesting, right? You got, you got 65 was interesting at the big tens. Yes, I know. And then now add in, now add in Griffith, add in wick. You know what I mean? You throw O'Toole, Griffith and wick in the mix with, with all the guys that were, 
at the Big Ten. So that's going to be a very interesting weight, right? Um, you know, seating, how's that shake out at that weight class? Um, you know, does O'Toole, it looks like in uh, points, it looks like O'Toole points out higher than Wick. So that would so if you go possible Wick one, in the Wick 2, go, Marinelli 3? Probably, which we know the Wick Marinelli thing, right? So then that so, so then my question there then is where do you drop Griffith and Karchla? Right. And then D remember Dean beat Griff beat Karchla for third. Right. So then so, you've got and, and Hamidi's I'm trying to think, Karchla beat Griffith. So that does yes. that mean so does Hamidi I'm probably forgetting somebody here, but you know, Hamidi go four, uh Karchla five, Griffith six. So then you got Bull Griffith again in the quarters. Well, uh, I'm, for, I'm, for, I'm forgetting yeah. somebody, but right. Yeah, no, it's, it's 65 is going to be bananas. Put it that way. 65 is going to be bananas. And, you know, and there's a lot of guys where it's uh, but like, then, you know, Cam Amin beat Karchla. So I, I even screwed that one up right there. Like, I yeah, <laughs> Cam Amin beat Karchla. So, right. And then where, you know, matchup wise, where's, you know, Marinelli fall, but then who's he getting his quarter, right? Where yeah. it's like, is That's he going to end up, is he going to be a three and it could be you know, something like that's insane you know I just, I mean, and then you got then you got this guy out there that, that scores i don't know if he's wrestled 30 matches or 20 matches he's probably got 10 takedowns and wenzel wenzel just goes zero zero ride you. he was in the finals last year he's yeah. gonna be seated probably in the nine to what i don't know where you know what I mean? Like, so there's just a lot of landmines at 65. It's all matchup, you know, is going to determine 65. So that's really interesting to me. 57, I mean, Ed Scott goes out and beats O'Connor. Um, you and know, O'Connor's, O'Connor's looks got really to, good. Yeah, I think it's you start with David Carr and Ryan Deacon, and then you throw, yep. the, rest of, you throw the rest of them into a bag and see what happens. Right. It's it's. This is going to be a very exciting Detroit. I'm 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 so excited for Detroit. Heck yeah, man! I uh, I appreciate you jumping on tonight to to talk some wrestling, talk some Big Ten, which means we're talking obviously NCA stuff. And uh, I will see you soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you. As promised, here with Seth Duckworth, who was. Basically spent your weekend at the box center in Tulsa, BOK Center, Box Center. I don't know how. Um, yeah, BOK, BOK, BOK Center. Um, yeah, you you were down there for for the Big Twelve Championships, man. Um, it was it was a really exciting weekend of wrestling across the country, um, but especially in Tulsa where you were, um, in Lincoln where I was. Um, but I really wanted to focus on the Big Twelve action here. Um, shout out to my Missouri Tigers, right? They they left in twenty twelve. Yeah. With the title, they went out on top, ran through the Mac for a decade, basically. And then when they come back, they they win it again. And I wanted to give you kudos, I think, before we break this down, because you you picked them as the preseason team to win. And I hope people by now have seen that whoever's running Mizzou Wrestling's Twitter account is just <laughs> going in on the replies because they obviously they they blew up your prediction and made a huge deal out of it. And then they followed through, right? They scored 131 and a half points, right, to – to win it over Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Northern Iowa. Um, what I, was there a gut feeling in the preseason about the Tigers, or what were what was kind of your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I looked at the, even, you know, before A.J. Ferrari got hurt and, and OSU's had some of their issues, I looked at them as being just so deep. You know, they, they're 10 guys that are – I think they qualified – I'm pretty sure they qualified all 10 this weekend for the tournament. And they're just like – that's just how they're built. And when you have that, you know, that, that translates to usually winning big 12 tournaments. John Smith talked about it a little bit. The reason Missouri, you know, outdistance OSU is OSU had three weights where they didn't score any points and Missouri scored points at every single weight. Like OSU had three champs, but they didn't have, uh, you know, to one for Missouri, but with, if you have three guys not scoring any points, you, you can't win. And so, uh, you know, Missouri, I, I think just that translates to a type of team that's going to win the Big 12 Conference. And that's what I thought in the preseason. And really they took some lumps during the year that I that sort of surprised me. You know, they lost to like Virginia Tech and then the Iowa State duel was really close. And then Iowa State, you know, they, Iowa State went undefeated this season in duels and kind of were looking like they were probably the favorite going in and, um, you know, as we actually saw the season play out. But then Mizzou comes back through for me and uh, makes my prediction right. And the, the hilarious thing, I, I guess, is, you know, I've covered Oklahoma State for years and, and still do, and now I work for a bunch of different websites. But um, but it was largely OSU fans that were kind of taking shots at Mizzou for, for <laughs> you know, heralding that prediction that Intermat picked them as the number one team. And it's me that's the OSU guy that picked them as, as the number one team. And so it was kind of like uh, – it's funny to watch all that play out. But And I actually – you know, you and I know because uh, we're in wrestling media and everything, but the SIDs are usually who run the accounts. And uh, one of the sites I work for is owned by a guy that owns a Missouri site as well. So I, I worked with their SID a lot this weekend. And he's a great guy. And it was like really kind of funny just to see all that play out and see what he's doing on Twitter now. Cause, uh, cause I, like I said, I got to meet him, you know, person to person this weekend and he's, he's a pretty good dude. So it's, it's hilarious watching that go. So. Oh man. He's, and they're probably still going to, you know, hopefully for at least until maybe the automatic qualifiers come out on, I think Tuesday and then the brackets on Wednesday. But I just, I love that. He's just like needling all the people that were like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, he, he, he does a good job. Like, you know, you just walk it, <laughs> watch if you, you know, you look at the things that, that they're all that the SIDs are supposed to do, which is promote their programs and everything else. And it, it helps when you win, you know, but and he does get a lot of good jobs, good job with that. But he does like it's kind of hilarious what he's doing right there and kind of trolling all those people or whatever. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's funny. It's 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 really I don't know, <laughs> a funny little thing he's doing there. Oh, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah. Mizzou, like you mentioned, one champ, Keegan O'Toole, but put four in the finals. Um you know, I, I, I kind of thought that the Big 12, at least at the beginning of the season, belonged to Oklahoma State. And I love that you picked the Tigers. Um, I figured, like, at their best, it's a, it, was, it would have been, you know, two, maybe three team race. It was a really entertaining weekend, it looked like. And, and what I wanted to kind of ask you, man, was I, what were – did you have three big takeaways from the weekend? Or, like, what were three big takeaways from the action there? Um, we'll touch on Iowa State and you and I in a minute, but just the action as a whole, like it looked like it was a blast down there. Yeah, it was. And, and round by round, I mean, that would probably be my number one takeaway is how the team sort of surged each round in the team race. And, and I mean, even so you look at you and I had a really good quarterfinal and put a bunch of guys in the semis and they were leading for a while there. And Oklahoma State had a pretty good one, um, you know, that 
Luke Serber upset uh, the two seed, the Zach Elam, which is a heavyweight from Missouri. And that was a big, big win for him. And then he, of course, won in the semifinals too. And uh, Dude, Serber almost final. pinned Hendrickson. That was wild. <laughs> that was wild. You know, it was kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but uh, you know, uh, Henderson's a, a hammer. I mean, I, you know, if you're not talking about Gable Stevenson and some of those guys in the Big Ten and and how good they are right now, like you, that's a really good heavyweight. I mean, he's pinning people. He's beating, you know, and, and I, I don't know what he's, you know, we're gonna see in two weeks exactly how he stacks up against some of those Big Ten guys like Kirk Litt and you know, obviously Gable's in a class all his own, but. Uh, Cassiope, all those other guys that are running around out there, but but Hendrickson is like tough to, and that's I mean that's if we want to start off with another takeaway before before I go into the the, the team race action, I guess that's one man. Like Air Force has got a guy there, and it, it was their first Big Twelve champ. You know, um, like you said, Server almost pinned him, which was insane. And what I mean, you were talking like I don't know Nick Piccinini pinning. Spencer Lee type of environment there for a second uh, when he put him on his back. It was just like, I, I don't know, the, the arena, it was kind of quieting down because, you know, the team race was decided, but Oklahoma State, it's it's Tulsa, it's in Oklahoma, so and Serber's an uh, Oklahoma guy, so a lot of, you know, family and friends and stuff were there, but, I mean, it really, like, picked up real quick when he put him on his back, and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? And then, you know, Hendricks had kind of came back and took off and took over there, but he's a tough kid. And, you know, I, I don't know, he, I think at least should be an all American, which is, is good to see for air force. And I think it's good to see for any, you know, of those kind of smaller schools that are, I mean, air force really is a service Academy. So it's a little bit different, but like you got Northern Colorado one one forty-one 41 uh, with the Lirez. So I'm kind of hoping to see those guys go on and, and, you know, finish good well at the NCAAs because it's cool to see them, you know, step into a power five conference and, and, and win a title. And, and uh, that's kind of a neat thing to see. you got two schools that got, have never had a big 12 champ before they got one this weekend. So that was one. I think the other big takeaway, which I kind of started off to say before we rolled into the stuff about Hendrickson, but that's kind of how it was just kind of really fun to follow the team race and I think that's the nice dynamic that uh, Missouri brings. And you kind of – when you see that Iowa State's kind of came back with Dresser and everything um, from what they were maybe five, six years ago, that that there's – that's – to me, and, and again, I'm an Oklahoma State guy. I attended Oklahoma State. I've covered Oklahoma State for years. That's a lot more fun to follow. You know, I, I it's kind of – it's it's boring to me, Like even though I think, you know, most Oklahoma State want, fans want to see – Oklahoma State win by 100 or whatever and then go on and do whatever. It, it, it's a lot more exciting from a fan standpoint, I think, to see that team race and those back-and-forth battles. And like I said, you and I take the lead for a little bit. Missouri take the lead for a little bit. OU has this great surge on the consolation side um, Friday where they put – they win – I mean, they kept 10 guys in through Saturday. Uh, their lowest fi- finisher was fifth, I believe. Or excuse me, I mean, they have one that finished a little bit lower, but – that was the only guy that they didn't qualify. I finished fifth when he finished fourth at 165. But but OU has this surge, and then they get back in the conversation. You're like, okay, what could they do? Because going into Saturday, and then basically going into Saturday and the consolation sides, it was like OU really has a whole lot of guys left. They had nine guys still on uh, in the uh, on the consolation side, and if they go and they push all these guys through to the uh, consolation finals. You're, you're, you know, they, they might overtake Mizzou and they had a pretty good round, but they lost a few matches and Mizzou kind of 
just, you know, they didn't wrestle just lights out perfect or anything, but, but they wrestled well and, you know, won most of what they were supposed to, didn't get upset anywhere or whatever. And they just kind of held off OU as OU kind of tried to kept trying to get back in with them or whatever. So I don't know, like, like I was kind of saying there, it, it's from a fan saying, like, if you're just a pure wrestling fan and you're not going too crazy for, whatever specific team you're rooting for that's fun to follow it's fun to see like that one team climb up and one team fight them off and one team you know kind of do whatever they do and, and the different things that, that jump back around and so you know like i say the the two small school kids getting a a a, a title is pretty cool to see that's one takeaway second one would be the team race was just a lot of fun and i i love that Mizzou's back in the Big 12 and what that adds to it. Again, even though they did kind of, you know, they beat Oklahoma State, which, heck, if they wouldn't have, you know, for Oklahoma State fans are upset about Mizzou being back in the Big 12, your rival would have won. OU would have won if Mizzou wasn't there. So, you know, <laughs> you probably would rather Mizzou have it than OU, I guess. But but anyway, um, so those are two big takeaways. And then I, I think just you, for, for Oklahoma State, which is kind of the premier team in the conference as far as, you know, wrestling history and all that other stuff and they won the last nine titles and everything else you know like we were talking about earlier you having three four guys that don't score points and having all all these injuries I mean I mean essentially OSU's down three All-Americans one being a national champ AJ Ferrari and White Sheets and Travis Whitlake are hurt I don't know if they're gonna even be maybe they'll give them a bid and they'll be able to tough it out at the NCAA tournament but like those guys aren't I, I bet they're not 60 percent they they just aren't themselves at all as far as you know what you usually get out of them awesome to see that back-to-back years in the big 12 I think the one last question I had for you before we moved on to to Iowa State and and you and I um how hurt I know you kind of alluded to this how hurt are our Whitlake and Sheets like are they like what kind of capacity you think they're going to be able to produce when it comes to the NCAA championships so I I, well, I never got any directs I guess specifics on the injuries or anything like that but uh but i you know they didn't get automatic bids neither one of them did um but i, I know it's bad i mean I, you can't you you watch them for five minutes and how, how they move and and it, it's bad whatever both of them have going on is not a good thing but uh we uh, we did the our post tournament uh media availability with john and uh i i asked i, I said hey what do you think your your guys chances are to uh, get at large bids, the one that need the ones that need it or whatever. And uh, he said, "Well, Gear's the only one that needs it, so I'm sure he'll get it." And I was like, "Well, Sheets and Whitlake do too." And and his reaction was almost like, "I don't even know if we'd send them." But he was, and then he kind of came back around and was like, um, "You know," and he didn't say that, but that was like what his face read. And he goes, uh, "I can't remember what his words were, but he was like, yeah, I think if they, if, I think if they get the bid, we'll take it.'" it was like we're, we're not even really shooting to get these guys into the tournament because I, I think he I think they knew it was bad but I think they're really realizing like they, they, it's just I don't know they're just to a point they're just a shell of themselves and I don't know that they want to send a guy to the tournament that just can't do anything but I say that and last year Sheets was in this exact same situation and took off and became an All-American. So I, I, it was a different injury last year for him. But uh, like he came in as th- I don't know if you remember he came in as the thirty-three seed and, and he won all the way through the wrestle bags. Yeah. Eighth, I think. But uh, but anyway, so I, I 
I think it's pretty bad. I think, I mean, it, it really is almost like he, they were almost like an afterthought to him when I asked about getting at large bids and he, he it was really kind of like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. He, just to explain his reaction just made me think that it's like, he doesn't even feel like they can go, but, um, but I mean, obviously they wrestled this weekend. So I, I think, and, and his response was if Whitley got one, they, they'd send him and, and, you know, hopefully he could do, uh, some good things, but but I, I just really think they're, you know, they're I'd say like seventy percent at their best. They're they're just not themselves at all. And uh, I was told both, which Sheets senior and he's done after this year. But uh, both Whitlake and him will be getting surgery or like right after the season's over. So, uh, so yeah, it's not good. Dang, that sucks. I know Sheets was a fantastic story last year, just just you know, last man in and and rustling all the way through. And um, you know, I've been a I've been a Whitlake fan ever since. You know, he he started to crack the lineup at sixty five for Oklahoma State, so that really sucks. And you know, here's hoping that you know, first off, they can get healthy, whether that's you know for you know a week and a half from now for Detroit, or or whether that's just getting surgery and maybe we'll see him this off season, or maybe not until next season, but. Um, you know, you see two goose eggs in the middle of uh, Oklahoma State's lineup and you're always scratching your head because it's like, whoa, like what's, you know, what's going on there? So that that really sucks. Um, when it comes to Iowa State, Northern Iowa, um, I know you finally got to um, I know you've been kind of following them all season, just doing the Big 12 thing for Intermap. But, you know, to finally get your eyes on them, um, I guess let's start with the Cyclones first. They stumbled a little bit out of the gate, had a really rough semifinal round. Um but they, they battled their way back through the Konzies, um, you know, through the Russellbacks, ended up third place. They wanted to come in and win it to kind of follow up on their tremendous dual season. What was your, what was your kind of thoughts or takeaway from, from Iowa State's performance? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, it, it's kind of weird, but the, uh, their 141, you know, got upset in the very, by an unseated guy, Jacob Butler. Ian Parker. From, Ian Parker, yeah, uh, which is was tough for, for them. And, and, Butler's good. Butler's, uh, you know, he's an Oklahoma kid and grew up in Oklahoma. And I, I think he's, he's, he kind of fits that. And, and I think Iowa's a similar, I guess, culture maybe or whatever. But, you know, you have those, those kids that, those tough, just, I don't hard know, grinded blue out. Blue collar, hard nose type yeah. style guys gonna that strap. maybe aren't on all the recruiting rankings and everything else. But you know that are at least going to, you know, fight hard and wrestle hard and stuff. And Butler, I've kind of, been looking at him and he, he's from Elgin, Oklahoma, small Oklahoma town and thinking, man, he's going to break out and do something big at some point. Cause I know he's just that tough, you know, hard nosed kid like that or whatever. And if it, and it did happen this weekend, he beat Parker. I think he was, I think that was just a really bad matchup for Parker because they wrestled again on the consolation side, Parker beat him. Um, but, but it was another like really, really tight match, which you wouldn't have expected from what, you know, you kind of saw throughout the year. Um, but, uh, but th- that was kind of a rough one for, for you and I to absorb, or I mean, for Iowa State to absorb, is, is, you know, having your one seed go down early and then, you know, finish, I think, what was it, fifth? Yeah. Uh, is that right? So, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a tough one to absorb. Um, the Terracuna, I think, is pretty uh, – or did I pronounce that right? Terracuna. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he's pretty solid. And, uh, he was fun to watch. Like, there were a couple of good matches there. The match of the weekend, I'll, I'll say this. If you go – I don't know if there's – because it was on ESPN Plus, so I don't know how you go back and, like, find their – you know, their that stream and, and whatever just, It else. might be one of those where you have to go back, find the session or the – 
Yeah, yeah I, exactly. Skin plus and have to like fast forward through it. Well, it was Matt three. That's <laughs> 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 what I remember. But um, Kent or not Kent? Let's see, Deegan and uh, Mizzou kid. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? It was the fifth uh, place, not fifth place match, or was it? It was on the consolation side on Saturday. Yeah, Josh Edmond for 49. Edmond, Edmond, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was the match of the weekend. 15-13, Tegan won it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was – Edmond gets like – I mean, he's just pushing the pace, taking all these shots and just like blowing up D in the first uh, round – or first period. Gets a couple takedowns and gets up like I think eight to – you know, and like he gives maybe three four takedowns and – a couple of escapes for Deegan, but Deegan gets one back. And so the score really was like, as much as Edmund was taking him down, it wasn't, the score didn't really separate that much because Deegan got that one in and then all those escapes to really keep it. It was like five, eight, I think when it was done or whatever. And, uh, and so Deegan doing that kind of kept himself in it. And you kind of saw Edmund gassing himself out because he was taking so many shots and all this stuff. But and in that, like, Deegan just kind of starts battling back and getting these scores and at the very last second gets a takedown, puts Edmund on his back and, and, and you know, wins the match by two or whatever at the very last second of, of, of the uh, of, of, of the match. But it, it was incredible. That was, that was a really good match, but uh, great scrap, you know. So I, I, I like the, the Iowa State guys. I don't think they wrestled their best, but I think they uh, – you know, they, they fought every match I watched. They were, it's not like they were out there laying down. And Deegan's a perfect example. He really, he was down about a lot and kind of fought his way back. Carr is obviously a superstar. I mean, I, I don't see anybody touching him at the ends of relays. Um, you know, he, the Big 12 is pretty good at, at 157. They're not like world beaters or anything, but they're solid. And, and he, you know, nobody was touching him. He kind of just blew his way through it. And, uh, you know, obviously he's, like I say, I don't think anybody's touching him uh, going, you know, forward at all. Uh, they're 184, lost a tough one to Kent from Mizzou in the semifinal. Marcus Coleman, yeah. Uh, yeah, Coleman. And that was a good match. It was a really, you know, he, he kind of like – he went after him. I mean, I, I like I, I went and uh, interviewed Kent after that. And I, I, the score was a little bit separated. Like, you know, Kent won – I don't know, by three or four or something like that. It wasn't some like really tight, but, but he was, you could see him visibly after the match, like beat down, like that, like he, like he just been in a fight or something. So I, I don't know. Like I said, they were, they were scrapping, but they just didn't have, you know, the, the little breaks didn't go their way. And uh, somebody told me, I want to say I was talking to somebody there and I think he had, Coleman had like a death in the family the night yeah. prior. Yeah. Marcus lost. Marcus lost his grandfather. Yeah, um, and so that you know that's always tough to deal with, and you know, like like you said, they battled back on the consolation side. He was one that came back and won a few, and uh, you know, I know that that's that's always just a tough thing to see those kids go through and and whatever. So that that was that that was something to see and, and take away from that because that's just you know, like I say, that's just hard. Like I don't know, that's that's not a good experience for anybody to go through. But um, but you know, I, I I thought they they fought, but they just took too many lumps. So it was like, you can't have your one seat go down and, you know, expect to stay in the team race. And, uh, you know, it, it, you could, they could have kind of maybe got some of that back. Like, like I say, Serber had that great tournament that he had and they had a really, he had a pretty tight match with, uh, the, what's his, is this pronounced Schuler or Schuyler? Skyler. 
Skyler, Skyler. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I had to ask him like three or four times before I finally got that <laughs> gotcha. one. But anyway, so like if they could have maybe got that one back or pulled, you know, another kind of upset somewhere in there, they could have maybe you know scrapped some points back together and got back into the title hunt. But it just it just never really materialized with them. They just they they just kind of took a few too many lumps. And uh, but I, I still think you know David Carr is probably the best wrestler in the Big Twelve. You know. I, Dayton Fix had a close match at uh, at uh, thirty three and in, in Car. There, there's just nobody really challenging Car. Um, I, I know, like I said, that Hendrickson he got the OW and, and he's he's really tough at, at heavyweight. But you know what he's got when he goes into the NCAA tournament, and and it's, he's he's probably not going to win there. But um, but but yeah, Car's a superstar. They, they just lost too many tough ones that you can't lose in a tournament like that to win something, you know, to bring home a team title. Yeah, the, the best way I've found to describe David Carr really the last couple of seasons is like, did you did you watch that when the pandemic originally shut everything down that first summer, um, summer 2020? Did you watch the, the Michael Jordan documentary? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there, there was a line in there where after the Bulls won their first title, that like Jordan is just running at a different pace and playing a different game than everybody else. And that's David Carr the last year or so. Like he won it last year and this season, like the kids won 54 matches in a row. Like he has openly talked about trying to chase the Hodge trophy this year. Um, You know, the one guy who I think could potentially give him some fits um, you know, Ryan Deacon, but I thought that last year as well. And Deacon didn't get out of his semifinal match. Um, to Delavecchia, um, you know, just ran a half, pinned him in the semis, you know, because why not? But, like, that's that's the matchup I want to see. But, like, you nailed it, man. Like, David is the superstar that Iowa State recruited him to be, that they thought he would be, that everybody thought he would be, whether it was Iowa State or Oklahoma State or Ohio State, whichever school he ended up deciding to go to. Like, he's just – he's become that dude now. Um, and I hope that that has a positive effect on the Iowa State program. Um, I think it already is. Like, we're seeing a lot of these guys wrestle really hard. They had a tremendous season, a regular season. Yeah, I, I don't think you take – you know, they didn't have their best Big 12 tournament, but you look at what they did this year and winning all the goals and stuff. They just wrestle hard, I, right? Yeah. I, I don't think you take anything away from what they did for over one weekend. You know, they, they were they were the best team in the Big 12 for the regular season. I don't think there's any way around that. Yeah. And Carr being that focal point and that leader and everything else is probably a big part of what got him there. Oh, no doubt. And I kind of like you said, like this tournament, like they just they stumbled a little too much, right? Ian Parker losing, you know, right away. Um, you know, Jared Dagan going down to McDougald in the semis. I know that that one went according to seed, but still a tough one. Kyson Tarakina at 25. You know, that's a guy that, you know, does he have a shot to win enough matches in March to potentially finish on the podium? We don't know. He, he had the look of it, but he lost to Brody Teske in the Iowa State UNI duel. And since then, he's just looked a little off. Um, you know, this weekend it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great car obviously took care of business, um, at 57, but then like Marcus lost a tough one to Kent at 84, Joel Devine's kind of not quite sure what he is at 74 younger, really good win into the semis, but then he lost two in a row and finished fifth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, so like there's, there's, I think there's still a lot of potential with this Iowa state team, but it's like, you know, and dresser said this before they went down to Tulsa, like, Hey, like we, we got to go down and we got to prove it. Right. Like we have to go down there and we got to put, you know, three good, three, four good sessions together. And if we want to win the big 12 tournament, that's what it requires. And, you know, I think they, 
they had a good tournament. It wasn't a great tournament and it wasn't a bad tournament, but like, it was just, it was just, you know, good slash. Okay. At least from my perspective, obviously you were on the floor and you know, it kind of sounds like what you saw maybe jibes with that assessment a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, like I, I didn't miss mention Basita, but yeah, they, uh, he had that like, who, what did he beat Elam? Is it? He, is beat, that who? he, beat, he beat Elam on the front side. And lost then Elam came back and got third. Yeah, and yeah. So that that was the big. I, I remember I was actually pretty close. I, I you know you watch a lot of wrestling, you kind of forget certain matches. And one ninety seven again, we talked about earlier. Just a so like one ninety seven. Big twelve was bigger, better one ninety seven than Big Ten. And I don't yeah. think you can say that about any weight in any conference ever or any conference in in the country right now that you could go okay this weight at this conference is better than it is in the big 10 197. I, I firmly believe, and obviously it's missing AJ Ferrari right now, but I firmly believe 197 in the big 12 is better than 197 in the big 10. And, you know, that's one guy's opinion or whatever, <laughs> but, 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 but so it's, it's tough for him to come back there, but, but he's part, like I, I was talking to a guy kind of just on the side, you know, we we're just kind of having conversations or whatever, but, um, He's actually an SID at one of the schools down there. But, um, but Basidic, you know, he's still figuring out folk style a little bit. There's, there's, there's a lot of different adjustments he's making. And obviously, AJ Ferrari isn't in the conversation anymore because he's out this season. But if there's a guy that you could see matching up with, the, like when you look at him and you're standing there and you're staring at Basita or you're standing near him or whatever, you go, man, there's one guy that can physically kind of hang with AJ Ferrari, like they could, it's just got the strength about like, I, I think somebody that could physically slow down AJ Ferrari and stop AJ Ferrari besides AJ Ferrari is this dude right here. And, and, you know, he's, there's still things I think that need to click with him and learning the folk style game a little bit and, and maybe, you know, wrestling back and, and, and some of that, you know, like they have uh you don't really have that in freestyle. You don't have to you have to wrestle back a little bit. Maybe that's a little bit part of the thing. I don't know, but uh, but coming back on that. But but he's good, and you know I'll be again. I'm interested to see what all the 197s of the Big 12 do because uh, at the at NCAA's because I just think it's it's so tough that they they beat up on each other in the Big 12s and they kind of or and throughout the season in the Big 12 and uh, and it kind of diminishes certain things about them, but when they, I'll be interested to see what they do when they go and they wrestle, you know, guys from around the rest of the country in a couple of weeks. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was essentially that it was just, they just took too many of the wrong losses in the wrong spots and, and didn't get the little upsets they needed on the other side to, to, to get them back into the conversation. But, but again, like we said, it, it's, you, I don't think you can like go back on what that program has got to in the last couple of years and what dressers done there um, over one weekend when they, you know, kind of came in as the favorite to win the conference and, and didn't do it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Cyclones got eight qualifiers through. We'll see if they can pick up another one or two bids when they announce the NCAA qualifiers. Later this week, uh, Northern Iowa got seven qualifiers through. They ended up fifth in the team race. Had a champ, Parker Keckeisen, three finalists. I think the way, as I was following UNI's tournament and then watching how it ultimately ended, um, I think the way I phrased it was they had some high highs and they had some very low lows. Um, yeah. They had a couple of guys not score any points. I know 97, John Gunderson, true freshman. 
Um, that's a tough ask at that weight um, to step in and, and, and compete. Um, Tyrell Gordon had been dealing with an injury. They ultimately decided to go with him over Carter Isley because they felt like Gordon could wrestle and, and just, just kind of a little bit of a rough weekend for him there. Um, but they put three guys in the finals, right? They had Brody Teske at 25, Kyle Biscoglia at 33. Um, mentioned Keck guys in both Teske and Biscoglia lost. Uh, Teske to Killian Cardinale from West Virginia. Biscoglia 6-2 to two to Dayton Fix, like we said earlier. Um, you got to see the Panthers up close. Um, they had a they had kind of they had a slow start to the regular season. One, I think at some at one point six duels in a row um, ended on a little bit of a skid right in the thick of that team race this weekend in Tulsa. What was kind of your overall thoughts watching the Panthers this weekend? Um, I thought they looked pretty good. It, it was it was a story of rounds, though, with them, um, kind of like when we talked about the team race. It was there to me that's what i saw it, it was like the quarterfinals they 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 killed it they you know they put a bunch of guys through um looked really good they were in the lead in the team race for a while um semifinals they they did pretty solid i mean got three guys through but but they needed to do more and like you talked about a couple of those guys 197 not getting any points and heavyweight not getting any points you, you, you can't really do that um and, and win a tournament like this but but as far as you know I don't know the, the qualifiers they put through and everything. I thought they looked okay. Teske was kind of, I, I was really interested to see 125 play out because Cardinal last year um, didn't win the conference. Teske did. And then Cardinal kind of had the best run of all the big 12 guys at 125 in the uh, NCAA tournament. And he became an all American. Um, and then, you know, he, he had a really good finals match over Teske and, and won there. But, uh, but I, I think the, why am I escape? Why is his name escaping me? The twenty-five for OU that he beat in the semifinals. Uh, Prada. Prada. There we go. Yeah. The uh, that's like Prada's tough, and, and he took I out Lamont him. in the quarterfinals. Lamont yeah, was in the exactly. finals last year. Yeah. Yeah. One twenty-five is pretty tough weight in in the Big Twelve. I you know I, I think Lamont's good. Master Giovanni has this weird kind of clutch gene thing for Oklahoma State where he gets his <laughs> takedowns at the last second. And that's how he beat Prada for third. And yeah, um, well, hey, you know, he wanted he beat Lamont in overtime, right? Yeah, exactly. Like he he won some tough matches and, and all you know five of those guys are pretty solid. Um but but anyway they like Teske, you know, to make it to the finals in a pretty good weight there is good. But, it, but like you said, it wasn't really close with Cardinal. Cardinal kind of separated the score. I, I don't think there was anything any scoring in the first period. And then, like in second, and third is where he kind of took off and, and put it on him a little bit. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's that's still a pretty decent tournament. Um, Thirty-three. Uh, I mean, you know, nobody's beating Dayton Fix there, so just to make the finals is good. Um, and he gave he gives Fix fits. I, I he did the same thing at the tournament. I don't. He's got like whatever it is with his ties and whatever else. Fix can't get past him. He can't score. Dude, like he, he's Biscoglia has been doing it because he went to Waukee High School, which is like right down the street here in Des Moines. Um, I say right down the street; it's a suburb. But anyway, he like he's been he'd been doing this since he was probably in middle school. He'll get a two on one and he'll just he'll literally pull your shoulder out of its socket. <laughs> like and he'll he'll just he'll go because he wrestles basically from a knee. And like, he's, he's a hammer on top. He like, he's a turner, he's a pinner. Um, but yeah, that two on one on, on, when they're in neutral, like that is, I honestly did not think that that would translate very well to the division one level, but it gives everybody fits. Oh man. It, it, it 
to I mean, Fix can't get past it. Like he he scored right off with like a, a little slide by thing, and uh, and you know it was two nothing in five seconds or whatever. But and he got another takedown in the first. But really beyond that, Fix just couldn't like he was tight. Like I say, it goes to two knees. He's long, so even when if Fix does get manage to get Pat, like it, it, he just struggles to get to his legs, and he, you know he gets down on his knees and he, he does that two on one, and he just holds it like crazy. And John talked about that a little bit after. He's got like a grip strength that you can visibly see, and Fix just can't get past it to score more points. And you know I don't think he, he he's not beating Fix or anything like that, and he wasn't really in any position where he was going to score. Yeah, which is kind of a but, nuisance defensively, right? But yeah, I mean you, I mean if. You know, if you can manage to to do that the whole match and not let fix score on you, maybe get in a spot where you can, you know, I don't know, send it overtime, ride them out or something. But uh, but you know, it's, like I said, that's hard to hard to manage. But still, like second place finish for him is is solid. Kek guys, and I think, it, it, I mean, not, not to skip around weights too much, but go up to you know the, the champ there was. And I'm just kind of run through the finals that I remember watching now, but he, he's good. We like I. I did he lose a match this year? He he's lost, he lost to Aaron Brooks down in Florida. Okay, so Aaron Brooks. Um, that was that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean you know which is the defending champ, but I mean he's right up there with those guys, and and like he's maybe not quite. Uh, oh, what's the Michigan kid's name? The, the bronze medals. I mean, yeah, the the one this weekend. He's not. I mean, or Brooks, but he's just like right there with him. And, you know, I, I don't know if I was, has he wrestled a mean? Uh, I don't believe he's wrestled a mean Brooks has been his only loss the last two years. Cause Brooks beat him in the NCAA semis. And then Parker came back for third and then Brooks beat him in the duel earlier this year. Otherwise Parker's got an undefeated college career. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's kind of, I'd be interested to see that, that if, if a mean and him were the semifinal, you know, I, it, Brooks, it sounds like he kind of has his number, but it, maybe he pushes through and makes the finals or whatever. But, but well, now here's a way yeah, right. it means he's going to get the one seed. But well, anyway. is he? Because there's a here's okay. So here was a thought we were having on Press Row in Lincoln because Parker K takes care of business in the Big 12. I forget who's at 84 out of the Pac 12, but um, Trent Heidley wins the ACC. Oh, yeah. he's, he's undefeated returning finalist. Does the, does the committee put him at the one Parker at the four because he's lost to Brooks and now Brooks and Amin have split this season. Is that the two, three? I mean, he'll, he's got to beat Trent Heidley, but yeah, could, that's, that's, could Parker kick guys and get to the inside finals now? Like, I don't, you know, he's got, again, you got to be like Trent that Heidley. opportunity for him more than going up against Brooks again. And yeah, right. Yeah. So that, that's, so Amin went in there. That might've been like the perfect storm for him. To you know, I, I again, I him versus Hadley sounds a little bit more like a shot, but I mean, he's he's that good. Like I, I don't know, like you said, Brooks, I guess is the only one to beat him or whatever. But when you watch it, you just you know, whoever obviously he's the the best eighty fours in the country aren't in the aren't in the Big Twelve. It's not like one ninety seven is in the Big Twelve. But when you see him wrestle those guys in the Big Twelve, it's he looks like national champion caliber, you know, and I don't know. So we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays, but, but yeah, that's really interesting that he's wrestling highly because, or if it does break that way and he's a four seed, that's like, to me, that's probably the perfect storm for him. If, if he's opposite Brooks, you know, let those two guys wrestle again and see what happens there with him. But. Yeah. Which could have, you know, that could have an impact on the, on the overall team race as well. This is a lot oh, yeah. of, you know, kind sure. of bigger brain stuff, but you know, with the way Michigan wrestled this weekend, they edging Penn state, 
Iowa took maybe a few more medical forfeits than Tom Brands would have liked, but they were still only 13 and a half points back. Um, you know, if you pencil in these guys who didn't rustle in their final match, like are it, I don't know that there's enough to make up 13 points right there, but maybe, I don't know. Right. And then, you know, when you've yeah. got a Penn state Michigan semifinal, that's just things could get a little funny. Um, you know, we'll see ultimately what the brackets look like, but that was kind of a big, big brain thought we all had watching the big 10 finals. And then, you know, seeing Parker take care of business, it was like, Hey, like, you know, maybe Trent does get the one and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I think that's a good scenario for him if he does go four with, on the same side as Hydley, but, but anyway, so yeah, back to the rest of the, what they were doing there. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the same thing goes kind of for them almost as it does for Oklahoma state if they were going to contend for that team title, they needed those, they needed 197 or, or and heavyweight to kind of push through and score a few more points. You just have to almost have point. You either have to have guys that are pinning their way through that tournament, or you have to have like points in every single way. Cause it's just, that's the only way you win it. And so, but they, I mean, I, I don't think overall you analyze them and, and look at it as like a, a bad tournament or anything. They just lost like semifinals. They had, uh, plot at 174 wrestled. Uh, who's their 174? I can't. Uh, he beat Run Lance Runyon. Yeah, Lance Runyon, who pinned him in the duel. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like, is he going to replicate that and pin Plot again? Probably not. But he gave him a good match, and I and I don't like. I, I didn't go in, into that thinking it would be a good match. I thought, oh, it was a fluke. He caught Plot and he pinned him. It's not going to be a, something like that again. Yeah, and and, and Runyon gave him a good. A, a run a good match and it was uh so that was you know pretty solid but but a, a tough battle for him at uh 49 that's all in real buto yeah with uh g feller he he was he was right there i mean like there for a little bit and then there was like two or three kind of controversial calls i guess i would say definitely <laughs> At least to the Oklahoma State crowd. Like, and obviously there's – we're in Oklahoma. There's a bunch of Oklahoma State fans. But there was, like, he almost got a takedown, and then the refs reviewed it, and they didn't give it to him. And, of course, the crowd, like, you know, went nuts and booed uh, them. And then uh, there was something – I can't remember what else happened. There was maybe, like, a turn that almost happened or something. And and uh, and they didn't get the points or whatever. But G. Feller still kind of managed to, to score in some other spots and, and – pull off the win there, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I think he, uh, it, uh, he was close there. Like it was, it was, it was just, you know, a couple little sequences away. Well, to be fair, it was a couple sequences away from being a lot like a major for, for G Feller probably, but, uh, but it, you know, it didn't go that way, but, but he, he was competitive there and I, I don't know, but the, they had that tough semifinal round where they matched up with three Oklahoma state guys and and lost all of them and or excuse me one went two and one went one and two because uh Kek Eisen beat gear but uh but that kind of like after that they, they they didn't get enough coming on the backside to really get uh back in contention for the team race and, and uh you know they just kind of wrestling out their own goals after that or whatever but uh yeah but overall I don't think they were bad like I say you 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 look at uh Biscogli, give him fixed, tough match, make it the finals. Teske, you know, you probably want to win the, the, uh, 125. But, you know, I, Cardinal, like I say, he's the one All-American they had last year, the Big 12 had last year at 125. So it's not like you're losing to some scrub or anything like that. And, uh, you know, 
rest across the board wasn't too bad. They did, they just need to work, like you said, one ninety seven heavyweight. They need to find ways to score a couple points there, and, and and probably heavyweight more than anything else was their opportunity that they kind of missed. Yeah, no, they they you know the high highs, the low lows. I, you know we talked about real Buto. I mean, he beat Josh Edmond and Jared Dagan, ended up third at forty nine. I thought that was a really encouraging performance. Austin Yant, yeah. um, you know, wrestled to his seed, came in the three seed, finished third at sixty five. Um, you know, it was really tough to see Lance, what he lost to Manta Nona in the Russellback semi and ultimately medically yeah. defaulted to sixth. Um, you know, and then another name that I, you know, I, disappointment probably, um, you know, with an asterisk, because I'm going to explain why I think so, at least, you know, Kale Happel at 141 scored zero points. Um, and the reason it's an asterisk there is because the way that bracket ultimately fell, he lost to Andrew O'Leary's on the front side. And then lost to and then uh, it lost to Carter Young, yeah. right? So it's or, like yeah, to Young, yeah, because that that sequence, that's what I was thinking. I I, I said two and one in the finals, but then that that Young match was going on at the same time, and that put him out of the tournament. And Young got upset to you know that that's the only reason that matchup happened. I forgot about that one, but yeah, yeah. So and then Young, you know, after Young beat Happel, he ran into Parker, who's the one seed, you know, where yeah. the winner stays alive for third, the loser goes for seventh. So it's like. You know, that whole bracket looked like it blew up a little bit. Yeah, it did for sure. But. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, it's it's really hard for me to kind of criticize these guys because they're high-level Division One athletes and all of these conference tournaments are just absolute meat grinders. But, you know, I think, it, it, you know, you, you and I probably expected a few more points out of Kale Happel. I think they expected some points out of, out of 285. Um, you know, again, the redshirt – or not the redshirt freshman, the true freshman, Gunderson at 97, that's a tough ask. So anything you can get from a guy like that, but, you know, even then he ran into, you know, you look at the bracket, 97 is a meat grinder. He started with Rocky Elam and then he got bumped off by Jake Woodley, two guys who were all Americans last yeah, year. Yeah. Those are superstars. Like, like yeah. I said, that's a tough way. Yeah, yeah. 174 to go back to that though. I was, I saw the man, I saw when he got hurt against Mantonona and I couldn't believe he wrestled through it. I, I couldn't tell what the heck was going on. But like I saw him laying on the mat, and and it was like, man, that doesn't look good. And there's uh, there's a little bit more to it. But it was like he gets up, and he, I mean, to put an ounce of weight on his foot, it looked like it was just excruciating pain for him. And I thought, okay, this kid's gonna have to default. Like, and and when we were talking the team race and stuff, I thought, uh, you know, that's OU was kind of getting back into the the, the conversation there. And so uh, I, I hope he's okay going forward because I, I mean I, I was shocked to kind of see him finishing out that even just that one match right there and like you said that I forgot about him defaulting to sixth or whatever but he looked hurt like it looked like just really really tough for him to put any weight on his leg and then you know like I say he somehow squeezed out the match and I didn't even really see what happened to begin with I just kind of saw the aftermath when they were sitting there and uh and he was trying to get up and walk around and stuff, and, and he was having a tough time. So that's tough for him. I hope he's good to go for NCAAs and everything. So. Yeah, me too. That Lance has a – you know, he's, he's a kid from from Southeast Polk right here in Des Moines, you know, on the other side of Des Moines, I guess, from Waukee. And, um, you know, we've, we've been watching him for a really long time, and he had some shoulder issues last year. So, he like, he went and weighed in for the first day of the national tournament and just, you know, medically forfeited out, didn't end up wrestling. Um those shoulder injuries kind of lingered all the way through the off season. And he missed a really fair chunk of the first part of the season came back, wrestled. I think his pin over plot was like one of his first matches of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So welcome back. Um, he's a pinner though. Like that's, you know, plot just was, you know, don't put your head by your knee when you're wrestling Lance Runyon. Cause he cradles yeah. people. 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, fingers crossed that he's okay, that, you know, he can, you know, at least step on the mat in Detroit. You know, I know he's, he's still really young. He's got a lot of years left ahead of him. Um, so I'd really like to see him get healthy to give it an honest shot one of these years, but, um, you know, fingers crossed for him that, that he's okay. Seth, I appreciate you making some time to talk some big 12 rustling. I hope you had a blast in Tulsa. It looked like it was a lot of fun and I hope you can get some sleep between now and Detroit because that party's going to be even bigger, man. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> I'll try to get some. Thank you. Big thanks to both Corby and Seth for jumping on to talk some rustling. I know that those two dudes, um, you know, I don't know that Corby ever sleeps, but I know that um, Seth, similar boat as me, man, just a really long weekend of rustling of, you know, th- those tournaments can take a lot out of you sometimes. And so, um, you know, really appreciate their willingness to hop on and, and talk some rustling and, you know, I, I, riveting conversations, um, but it ultimately made for a really long show today. So I really appreciate you guys who are still tuning in. I'm going to wrap up the show here real quick with a, kind of a quick overview of what we got coming this week. I know that the NCAA championships, the brackets will be released later this week. I plan on doing an, a reaction pod and we'll obviously write a few things once we know what the pairings and paths look like for all the Iowa wrestlers, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, handful of the Iowa high schoolers that are out there, um, you know, that have qualified wrestling for separate schools, um, you know, and then we're, we're going to break this down, right? We're going to, you know, take a look at the team race, take a look at, you know, what, uh, what things um, you know, to keep an eye on, you know, who, who could be a surprise, what are landmines that some of these guys need to watch out for, you know, once the brackets get here, that's kind of, you know, when our coverage will ramp up. So, you know, we'll, we'll have some more podcasts next week, um, you know, just kind of in the lead up to Detroit, um, you know, we'll, we'll have some written stuff, have another mailbag before we get there as well. And, you know, Thursday morning, it, it kicks off at Little Caesars Arena, guys. We're, we're basically there, right? Once the brackets drop, we're, we're, we're basically there for the big dance. So um, going to be a really exciting few days, going to be an exciting week. Um, get your rest if you can. Um, if you're looking for more wrestling, there's plenty of it coming this weekend. I know the D3 National Tournament's going to be in Cedar Rapids. I plan on making an appearance there. Um, the D2 National Tournament's going to be in St. Louis. I know there's some former Iowa high schoolers that are there. The NAIA Women's National Tournament's going on this weekend as well. And I know Grandview, as well as all the other NAIA Women's Wrestling programs, are, are taking squads up there. So that'll be fun action to follow. Um, and there's also, you know, hey, give, give a shout out to the guys at IA Russell. They're putting together a spectacular card for the Night of Conflict, which is actually Saturday night in Des Moines. Um, so that'll be some, some really exciting there. Always plenty of wrestling if you want to get your itch. Um, you know, but I, we're, <laughs> there's going to be a lot worth following. So it's, it's not like we just get a simple break here just because the conference weekend is over and we're waiting, you know, a week before we head to Detroit for the big show. So um, a lot of wrestling still to follow, a lot of wrestling still to, uh, you know, keep tabs on, to, um, things that we can learn from. And it's going to be fun, right? You know, Detroit's going to be here before we know it, but we got some things to tide us over until then. Um, so yeah, I, I, today was a really long show. Again, I appreciate it. If you guys are still listening, um, be sure to rate and review the show. Um, you know, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, we'd really appreciate that from you guys. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram, Cody J Goodwin. And of course, be sure to subscribe and catch all my stories, mailbags, um, analysis videos, got a bunch of fun stuff planned for the NCAA championships next week in Detroit. I don't want you guys to miss a thing. So be sure to get your subscriptions now. If you do it now, it'll take you all the way through 
um, the spring and summer months as well. And once I get some time to recoup from this season, we, we've got some big things planned for the upcoming spring and summer months of wrestling as well, because we all know that wrestling, it's a 13 month sport, got a lot of freestyling Greco stuff coming up this spring and summer. So I don't want you guys to miss a thing. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past weekend in the show notes. Thank you so much again for listening. I know today was long, but I appreciate you guys so much. We will talk again soon.